Welcome to the Greg Allen Podcast. Thanks for joining us where we talk about life. I truly believe that everyone has a story to tell and a lesson to teach. And that's what this show is all about. So if you're enjoying the show, please head over and leave us a review. It helps us connect, inspire and help more people like you. And I just want to do a big shout out to you for taking the time to grow and improve. So good on you. Keep doing what you're doing and good luck in life. I'm a tax lawyer. Um, Most people don't know what a tax lawyer does. Um, So what I do is I I provide a lot of um, technical assistance to accountants. So when accountants got questions on tax, um, they come to me for advice. Um, And I also help clients when they are um, in trouble with the ATO. Um, So I basically help them, um, you know, and act for them um, to either fight the ATO on their tax debt, um, help them through audit situations, um, or basically just um, apply for relief on their tax debts or or interest uh, payments, um, or help them through audits um, when they are audited by the ATO. Um, So I provide a lot of, I guess, the interpretation of the legislation. Sometimes the ATO is wrong in, in how they read the act and how they apply tax um, law. Um, so, yeah, my role is basically yeah, to help um, taxpayers in terms of the legal aspects of, of tax. Yeah, how did you get into that, Jeff? I think that's really interesting. That So now you must know so much about all of the legislation and regulation. So how did you end up going into that? Were you a tax accountant first and then moved into that position over time? Uh, no, um, there's a there's a specific um, division in a lot of um, the bigger law firms uh, that specialise in tax. Um, so um, when I was a graduate, um, that's where I was, I guess, shoved into. Yeah. I didn't know what um, what tax law was all about. Like most people, I thought that accountants are um, are the people that deal with tax. Um, but as I, you know, work um, through. Um, you know, with that law firm, I discovered that you know a lot of it is is um, is a there's a lot of grey area in relation to tax law, and how um, people can read it and interpret it. Um, so, um, yeah, that's that's where I guess the entire tax lawyers um, you know industry gets um, gets sprung out of. Do you find a lot of people might just if they get audited and then the taxation office might say? you owe this or you have to do this or you must, you know, this is the demand to you. They just accept that when they possibly could have got out of it and it, or lessened the um, impact on them and their business and their lives, do you think? Oh, definitely. Uh, the ATO, um, there's a lot of um, fear and intimidation from, uh, well, people are, are, are very fearful and intimidated by the ATO. Um and there's a lot of instances where the ATO actually has got the, um, the law wrong um, or they basically don't quite understand what the law is and then but they just apply um, whatever um, is best uh, for revenue collection purposes. Yep. Um, a lot of accountants, um, because they uh, are so busy with, um, you know, a lot of their clients, um, you know, uh, affairs, uh, they 
don't have the resources or the or the skills to research as to what um, what the true legal positions um, for their clients are. Yeah. Um, so, um, and a lot of accountants um, are not aware of you know tax lawyers um, you know being accessible because most of the time they they think that. Um, the only people who can afford tax lawyers are, you know, the big end of town. But, um, you know, there's a lot of um, tax lawyers out there who, who are accessible to you know, the smaller um, smaller businesses uh, to help them. Yeah, cool. No, that's, that's really good to know. And I think that's going to empower some people that might be in tricky situations in the coming months, if not years, uh, ahead of us. So I think, um, yeah, that's... You know, could reach out to Jeff if we need some support around that. So let's jump into some information uh, on specific stimulus package documentation that's come out already. So if we could just go through some of these points and have a talk about uh, how this is impacting small business and medium enterprise and how they can better understand the documents and how it's applicable to their businesses. So if we can kick it off with the uh, boosting cash flow for employers. Yeah. So um, the legislation just came out um, yesterday, um, you know, on the back of um, the Prime Minister's um, announcements. Um, so there's all these uh, materials online at the moment from Treasury, which um, is a department within the government. And they've given out, um, you know, uh, information which um, I suspect would be um, off, um, you know, the the plans from from um, from the government um, announcements, but how it actually works in detail um, is actually contained in the legislation itself. So that contained all the rules as to you know um, whether you are eligible. Um, when you need to be registered in order to be eligible and the actual calculation of how much you, you're entitled to. Um, that's all in the legislation. And um, that's, I guess, um, when people are sitting on the fence as to whether they're eligible or not, um, that's the job of like, actually interpreting the legislation. Um, and, and, you know, essentially that's the rule book of it all. Yeah, sure. So what are some things that you've noticed in terms of that particularly? So some people might have gone, oh, I'm a sole trader. Can I change to proprietary limited? Is that some an example of that? What are some other examples or is that an example of some of the things that people are thinking, should I change or can I change? Yeah. Well, um, firstly, it doesn't matter um, how you are structured in terms of running your business. So you can be a, a sole trader you can be a family trust, you can be a company, or you can be a partnership. Um, the, the most important criteria is that you've got to be what they call a small business entity, which is um, an entity um, that employs people um, and have a turnover of less than, of less than 50 million. Yeah. Um, and that 50 million is as of last financial year, um, not the current financial year. So this um, financial year, you could be, uh, you know, turning over 100 million, but if last year you were turning over 50 million, um, you would qualify for this payment. Sure. Do you think anyone's going to grow by that much in the next year? <laughs> Probably not, but <laughs> you never know. <laughs> yeah. 
Yeah. Cool. Um, so in terms of, so that's, that's really good to know because I know a lot of my clients were wondering, oh, I'm a sole trader, so I don't get the benefit. So that's really good to know that even if they are a sole trader, but they employ someone, then that's, that's really good. Can they employ themselves as a sole trader? Yeah, yeah. There's, there's no um, restrictions on, you know, um, what they call related parties. So, um, you know, if you employ your wife or your sister or your brother, um, that's all eligible employees. So what they mean by eligible employees are that um, you have to pay uh, or withhold some of the money from their wages. So it's like when you when you were um, uh, working for somebody as an employee, yeah. you know, you might be on 50 grand a year, um, but, you know, you don't get the full 50 grand a year in, in your bank account. You get the after-tax dollars in your in your bank account. Yeah. So, the the difference between the fifty grand and what you get in your in your bank account is what um, the government and the technical people call um, PAYG withholding. Um, so your employer is supposed to have um, you know deducted that amount and pass it on to the ATO um, as payment of taxes for you. So that amount. Uh, that is passed from your employer to the ATO, that's the amount that um, they use in the calculation of um, how much of this $100,000 you're entitled to. Is Are they calculating that off the year to date, like financial year to date, or is, how is that being calculated? Can you can you just put your, you know, a week ago, just say that your sister started yeah. and, and that would be eligible for... The minimum, I guess, because they didn't pay him anything, paid him a dollar. Yeah, yeah. So, um, and I guess it's it's a little bit generous in this legislation in the sense that um, you um, all all it requires for you to be eligible is that you have an employee and you are supposed to have withheld money. So you don't actually have to um, physically withheld. You um, you just need to be, um, you know, we be required to withhold money, uh, and you'll be eligible um, for the scheme. Right. So effectively, it's like yes, I was holding money, withholding. Oh, money. I'm supposed to be holding money, so yes, yep. I'm eligible. So yeah, yeah. So there, there's a lot of um, there's a lot of businesses out there that you know because of cash flow problems. Um, haven't withheld or used the withheld money for uh, for boosting up their their own business, which is not what you're supposed to do. Um, so those businesses are still eligible uh, for this payment, um, but it's just that the ATO might be going after them in a in a different format. That's all. Yeah. Okay. And is there a way for for instance, a, a director pays directors dividends to themselves? Can a director put themselves back on wages for the year to have a bigger pay, uh, withholding tax? Yeah, they can do that. Um, there is um, there is some um, provisions in these legislation to catch any sort of contrived or any artificial inflation of the amount that you're supposed to get. Yep. Um, and it's worded like the um, anti-avoidance um, sections in the tax legislation. Um, that part of the legislation is actually very complex and 
um, I don't know whether they would actually apply um, apply those anti-avoidance section to um, you know people who are trying to inflate the um, the amount they get from the um, from this stimulus package, but um, they they're up they've given power to the ATO to to, to deny uh, you know payments um, in full or some some amount. Um, so you just have to be careful about um, you know how much um, you know increase you you want, you're going to give yourself. So you know if you have reported over the last couple of years to, to have very, very minor uh, PAYG withholding amount, and then all of a sudden your PAYG amount, you know, goes up to 16000 to get the full $100,000 uh, grant, I think the ATO would look at it very carefully for you and may even deny the payment to you. Okay. So um, in terms of withholdings in... If you, what if it went from, if say for instance the example is you've got 20 full-time staff and then you're just adding your director's dividends back so the difference would be quite a small amount as mm. a whole, would that not really be flagged because it's not really inflating the total amount? I think it should be okay. Um, you know, it, you just have to be mindful that, you know, uh, with anything with the ATO, there is a certain level of risk uh, if it's not genuine. Um, in audit and like in sort of um, disputes with the ATO, um, they are entitled to under the law to essentially deny you um, without giving reasons, um, and it's up to you to prove them wrong, which is um, like a what they we call a reverse um, owner situation. Whereas, like you know, in criminal law, if if the police accuse you of something. They have to prove that you actually did it, but in tax matters, it's up to you to prove them wrong and up to you to show what is the right course of action or what the right position. Um, and a lot of people, um, when they come to disputes with the ATO, uh, don't have the um, written documentation and the written evidence to prove their entire situation. Um, and as a result, a lot of taxpayer loses um, in disputes with the ATO because they can't prove their own case. So if you're going to look at increasing um, the amount of um, the stimulus package, what you actually need to do is make sure you have the documentation to back up a commercial case as to why um, all of a sudden your dividends have you know, stopped, but you've increased taking out a wage. Yeah, sure. Okay, that makes sense. Cool. I know a lot of people um, have been talking about that, so that's great to get some clarification around that. And yeah, so in terms of, do you know what the scale is on from who will get twenty thousand and who will get a hundred thousand? What was the scale there? I think you mentioned yeah. it before. So um, it goes off your um, BAS return. Um, and it goes off the actual amount of money you're supposed to withhold for your employees during that period. Um, so um, if you, uh, say, if you withheld um, $20,000 over the course of three months, they would divide that um, 20000 into three um, and then times it by three to give you the 
actual amount that you will get as as the first payment. So the first payment comes out um, to you after you lodge your bass um, in April. So late April, you'll get your first payment. The second payment comes out in June, um, and it's um, it's a percentage um, being twenty five percent of your um, first payment, and then okay. the last payment is um, another twenty five percent of the last payment. Oh, so it tears down. Yeah. So, okay. and then it depends whether you're um, supposed to file quarterly um, bass returns or monthly. Um, returns but the the amount basically ends up being the same um whether you file monthly or quarterly um and it really depends on your turnover whether you're supposed to file quarterly or monthly um most small business um, are only required to file um, quarterly rather than monthly yeah so do you know what the actual dollar amount of withholdings tax is to get the hundred thousand um it's about um, 17,000 for three uh, months no per month. for each month yeah. yeah okay yeah that's about what we pay so that's yeah, 50 grand yeah that'll be about 100 all right cool but yeah that's capped at that obviously so if you get 20,000 a month then you're going to be just still 100 yeah cool all right thanks for sharing that that's good is there anything else that people should know about this particular point um there is, um, you've got to be, so there's a bit confusion with the um, tax industry about whether you actually need to be registered by a certain date. Um, I know a couple of accountants that we deal with says you have to have been registered to be a PAYG uh, withholding uh, entity um, by the 12th of March. But there's nowhere in this legislation that says you have to be registered by that date. Um, it basically says if um, if the ATO is satisfied that you are uh, an employing business, you're eligible for this payment. Um, now, the the thing with the ATO is it may say one thing in the legislation, but if they've got it in their head that you know it's you know, it's not supposed to be like that. You are up for a fight with them, or you you might be coming to a dispute or some sort. Yep. Um, so yeah, so um, yeah, there's people in the industry saying you have to be registered by the 12th of March. Um, I don't see that in the legislation. Um, so you know, if if you're on the on the fence, then I, I suggest you look at trying to get the grant anyway. Yeah, register now if you haven't already. So an example of that would be, and I've got a lot of clients uh, in my academy that are going, oh, I've been employing since, you know, January or February, but Mm. they haven't lodged anything yet. Mm. And so they're wondering if they'll, they have employed though. So from what you're saying, I would imagine that they can say, yes, I've employed since February. I just haven't made my first payment. And, yeah. I, and some of them wouldn't have registered for PAYG because they haven't need to, needed to yet because mm. they hadn't had to make that payment yet. So, yeah, th- that's sort of that grey area, I guess, and good to have that um, clarified. Cool. That's really good. Thanks, Jeff. Lots no of information worries. there on that one. So mm. appreciate you going through that. Uh, it was like six months after that, you know, they worked for a big 
bank and they just had all this work all the time and had like 30 vans. I can't remember the exact number, heaps of vans and, um, you know, great company. Everything was good. Great team. And then the bank got bought out by another bank and then they go, "Uh, actually, we're going to use our electrician from the other bank. Um, the, the whole time they were being assured by their bank manager or uh, the facility manager or whoever was managing all that, no, no, it's going to be all yeah. right, it's going to be all right. So they held on, held on, held on, held on, held on to the point where couldn't pay wages or super for like months so or years. Yeah, the direct person liable, right, and properly in the shed. Yeah, and held on to that too long. So like, I, I learned that. I was like, holy shit, like... I'm going to be aware of that, you know. So I've always acted quickly and, um, you know, if I need yeah, to. Okay. But I, I've always, you know, for me in my staff, it's like my family as well. So I'm always trying to do everything I can to raise the revenue, grow the business, educate the team, get them performing at a better level. You know, often, often the main reason why we don't have a good month is because no one's trying. That's the truth. So, um, yeah. so... So when I can yeah. get them trying again, it's like, oh, wow, look how good you guys are when you try. So, so that's something that we cyclically go through. So, um, yeah. Yeah, so yeah. yeah, it's great building models and structures and processes around that to uh, manage the performance. But then, then there comes the time where, no, not even performance is going to get you out of this. You're overstaffed. You're too admin heavy. Yeah, at you're, some point, you've got to yeah. cut, cut, right? At yeah. some point, you've got to cut. And I'm with you. I agree with you. You've got to cut early rather than too late. Yeah. At least you've got to cut in time. All right. Um, so the next one we've got that we're going to cover today was delivering support for business investment. Mm-hmm. So that one there was for, you know, small business loans and also instant um, asset write-offs. Mm-hmm. So can you run us through a little bit about what you know about this one, please? Okay. So with the instant asset write-off, so um, any asset that you buy for the business um, that your accountant can depreciate so like cars uh, computers um, you know um, tools that you use for your for your business um, usually um, so usually for tax purposes they're what they call asset that can be depreciated so they decline in value over time because you know you buy your car for 30 grand Next year, it's worth 25. The year after that, it's worth 10. Um, so that's what they call a depreciating asset. Yeah. So um, so with the instant asset write-off, that came, um, came in during the times of the GFC where um, they want to encourage people to buy things like this to keep the investment and keep people spending. So... Um, what happens is when you buy an asset, you can't claim the full amount, um, and you can only claim a percentage of that amount each year off your tax. Um, with the instant asset write-off of thirty thousand, the government is allowing you um, to write off thirty thousand dollars from your income for every asset that you buy. So if you make sixty thousand um, dollars a year and you buy an asset of $30,000, you can then claim $30,000 off your tax, oh, sorry, off your income, so your taxable income is only 30000 So that's what the instant asset write-off is. So the instant asset write-off is now 150000 
So you can basically buy a um, you know top of the range uh, Range Rover for 150,000 as long as you use it fully for your business, or you can buy one of those um, Ram Utes for 150 grand, <laughs> and you can <laughs> you can write it off for uh, off your income, um, you know uh, by June. So that's what the instant asset write off is, um, and the instant asset write off is per item. So if you have a lot of cash and you want to buy um, five of these Ram Utes, um, that it means that you have a tax deduction of $600,000 to offset uh, against your income from your business. Yeah, great. So is this just businesses or is this um, personal as well? Businesses, sole traders, you have to be running a business. Okay. So. Uh, essentially, you have to have an ABN and you must be working for yourself. Okay, yeah, that's good. Do you need income? I know some people have an ABN, but they don't actually use it very much. Mm. Do you need a certain amount of income for this to be available to people? Um, if you're running a business, if you use an ABN, um, technically you're running a business, but Sometimes the ATO will argue you're not running a business, so they deny the deductions. Um, you know whether you're running a business or not is is sometimes a grey line in in a lot of tax disputes. Yeah. Um, I know uh, I've got clients who run you know a farm, but they're not doing too much because they're a little bit older, um, and then they're trying to claim all these deductions, and then the ATO goes, "No, nah, you're running a hobby farm, so it's not a business." Yeah, but on the other hand, you know, I've got younger clients who, you know, maybe running a, a hobby farm um, part time, um, and they're selling off their um, their cattle or, or plants or whatever, um, and then they claim that it's a hobby farm because you know they they might be lawyers or, or accountants and they do this on a weekend basis, and the ATO goes, "Nah, you're running a business, so you pay you have to pay tax." Sure. So sometimes the ATO will you know, bend the facts according to what they, what's in their best interest. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, so if you're on the line ball, you really do need a lot of supporting evidence to support whatever position you want to take. Yeah. Okay, cool. Is there any really uh, situations that you would see a business where they should go and invest right now? Or is it better that they keep their money available to them? Because this is still available through a Chattel mortgage as well, right? You still get that. Yeah, whole... for Chattel mortgage, yeah. yes. Um, it really depends on your cash flow position. I mean, the the thing with these um, instant asset write-off is it sounds really good, but um, as we all know, cash cash is king in a business, especially in, a, in an environment like this. Yeah. So you might spend 150 grand, which immediately, you know, you got to start, you know, um, shelling cash out for. But you may not be able to claim, or you won't see the benefit of that spending until your accountant lodges your tax return, um, which you know for most businesses have until October or May next year. Um, so you you know although you might spend the money, you get the tax deduction, but your actual tax liability is not due for another you know good six to nine months. Yeah. Um, and spending 150 grand um, for a company, the tax benefit is only 30% of that. 
Um, so you've got to spend 150 grand to save, you know, maybe 50 grand in tax. Yeah. So I wouldn't really go out and, you know, buy that luxury Ram Ute just because it's 150 grand and I get that as a tax deduction. Um, but if you're thinking of buying something um, next year or, you know, um, in the near future, it, it might be worthwhile to, to speed up that decision so that you get the benefit in this financial year rather than next financial year. Yeah, like you said, if you've got it on the 2nd of July, you would yeah. have to wait all the way to the you know, 31st of, uh, 30th of June and then until your accountant lodges your tax before you got that money. So, um, and this doesn't go past 30th of June anyway, does it? Yeah, that's right. So, so you know, if, if it's either, you know, you invested in June and you get the tax um, upfront tax deduction, or you um, buy it in you know second of July and you don't get any tax deduction. Yeah. You know, that's the only time you would that's that would it. come in. Yeah, yeah, for sure. Cool. All right, I think that one's covered. Anything mm. else to add to that one? 